1: Welcome, everyone, to a Baseball America podcast. My name is John Manuel. I'm joined by J.J. Cooper. Thanks so much for joining us here in the DeMarini Demo House podcast nook. And when it comes to buying a baseball bat, DeMarini just changed the game, introducing Demo House, where you can step into the cage and hit the latest from DeMarini before you buy, because there's no substitute for hitting a real baseball or talking to people who know both bats and batting. Your demo time in the cage is free, so get the season started right and visit your nearest Demo House today. Locations and full details can be found at demarini.com backslash... Demo House, JJ, we do have a Demo House here in the Raleigh-Durham Triangle area, so when my son gets a little older, and when I want to spend more than $8 on a metal bat, I will be taking him to the DeMarini Demo House, Uh, but right now, we'll just come to you from the Demo House podcast, and I want to remind you, you can only send us emails at podcast at baseballamerica.com, we don't have any questions for today's uh, podcast, and in in fact, it's actually going to be a a, a themed podcast, but not one of our usual themes, JJ, it is a usual theme in The Office. It's something we talk about a lot in The Office, but uh, not something that we necessarily talk about a lot on podcasts. Um, and it's really just the, the basis of our most recent issue, which is really the fastball. The,
0: yeah, the issue that we put, we put to bed today, it goes to the printer. It'll start shipping out to subscribers, I believe, on Monday. Right. Um,
1: it's old media, that, and that that part of it's the old media, and it also it'll go new, up on
0: our website as well. Uh, Bringing the new next media
1: complement in the uh, online and then here on the podcast, but it's really all about the fastball, and there kind of there, there's so many ways that the fastball story could have gone. We wound up going in the direction of well, here's a story about velocity and the part about the fastball that everyone locks into the most, but the other part of it, JJ was stories about fastballs that don't focus on velocity. And that wound up being almost uh, 100% a story about the cut fastball, kind of a right. kind of like kickboxing sport of the future, cut fastball, pitch of the 90s, or pitch of the odds, I should say.
0: So now the and now
1: pitch of the, the the next decade. But I think it has kind of been the pitch of the last decade, the, the trendiest right. it's, pitch. It's,
0: it's, it's, I, this kind of all started, um, I guess, last two weekends ago. I was sitting I at you know, home.
1: About, yep, that's f- that far back.
0: And um, and we emailed, and I sent out the email to you, and we're like, hey, you know, I was just thinking about this, and enrolled as Chapman, you know, last start, you know, there's reports he touched 102. Well, right. for a lefty starter, can you think of a left-hander who's thrown, you know, not thrown harder than that, because 102, you don't hear guys throwing harder right. than 102. Joel Zumaya actually, you know, on the best of days, could actually run up a 103 according to PitchFX, but, but 102's right up there, but
1: was my long toss joker, but can Sorry. you
0: you know? But can you think of can you think of guys who thrown that hard as a lefty starter? Because when you think about the guys who throw the hardest of all time, most of them are right-handers. When you, you think look at
1: all-time power pitchers, you think the Nolan Ryans, the Walter Johnsons, Bob Fellers. J.R. Richard's going the guy
0: from. I always throw in that because you really you know.
1: J. R. Richard, uh, when I was eight years old, went to Atlanta Fulton County Stadium. We were in Atlanta for the Greek Orthodox Clergy Lady Conference. And uh went to a Braves game, and I was the next kid in line for J.R. Richard to sign autographs. And Bill Verdon said, hey, or someone yelled to him, Hey, J.R., you got to wrap it up, or blah, blah, blah. And I did not get his autograph, and that was the year he had his stroke. So it uh, was a once in a lifetime opportunity that went by the boards for me. But so we started. Obviously, a tragic story for J.R. Richard.
0: Much more tragic for him than it is yes, for you. Yes. But. So we started talking about that, and then that kind of led to, you know, hey, let's do a, a, an issue about, you know, a, a focus an issue on the fastball. And really with that, one of the things we wanted to do was d- development philosophies. I, I thought at one point it was going to be a two-part story, you know, development mm-hmm. philosophies of do you let guys develop the cut fastball on the minors or not? And also with that, okay, two-seam versus four-seam, because there are a lot of different – on both sides there are, on both of those issues there's some disagreement when it comes to pitching i think the safest thing you can say is whatever you want to say about pitching there is disagreement
1: that's correct about
0: how you should approach it and there's not you know i mean except for the fact that everyone believes you should throw strikes that's right if you, everyone
1: says the best pitch is the best pitch in baseball is strike one not. otherwise they don't really otherwise, agree otherwise they
0: don't agree on anything i and, think
1: i think that's one thing that the more we've delved into this issue the more we found that to be true that's definitely and, and so
0: – but with that, like with the cut fastball, you know, it is – it does seem like – it's not like that. the cut fastball, I mean, is just popping up because if you say who are the best guys ever at throwing the cut fastball, you know, the guys that come up are, are Mariano Rivera and, and Greg Maddox who both were doing it, you know, fifteen years ago at least.
1: Right. I always think of Al Leiter, too of the guy who Al Leiter, Charlie saved his was doing career it. with a cutter.
0: Charlie Leibrandt was doing it not, you know, at that level, but Charlie Librant was doing it in the eighties. So I mean this is not a pitch that you know not
1: a new pitch. Not for a sure. new
0: pitch, but it definitely is a pitch that if you ask people around the game, it's like, man, does it seem like there's a lot more emphasis on the cut fastball now, you get a lot of agreement. Yeah, it does seem like that it's a pitch that, you know, people are calling the pitch of the decade or whatever you want. It's like the split finger for mm-hmm. the eighties Right, you know, is now the cut fastball for the generation. I guess we'd be safer to say that's a good exactly. way
1: to put it. Yeah, definitely for the generation, because yeah, it really was a generation ago, about 25 years ago, that basically the San Francisco Giants rode a, uh, an entire pitching staff of like retreads with with, with split fingers, like Mike Lacoste and uh, well Rick Rush. wasn't necessarily a retread, but uh, there was one other guy I can always think of in my head with that team, and I just he just came in and he left. But it was a split finger fastball pitching staff basically, right. and Roger Craig was the guy who kind of spread the, the mantra of the split. split absolutely. And 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 then,
0: and then all of a sudden people went, you know, we're seeing a lot of guys who's throwing this or you know blowing their elbows out.
1: Well, I think that's the that's a let's, let's take one track of it. Let's take the, the hard thrower track first, and the story that we ended up doing, right. Tracy Ringles, we ended up doing on the fastball, and one thing that we've discovered here, JJ, is, um, you know. The fastball, to succeed in the major leagues in 2000, in this last decade, one thing that the data seems to support, well, we'll just say right now, in 2009, 2010, you better have at least average fastball velocity, especially if you're a right-hander, or you're really not going to have any chance of success. That's one thing that we basically or,
0: discovered. Not that you're going to have no chance of success, but the guys, whenever they point to, the guys that everyone points to and says, see, you don't have to have an average fastball, are – for one, you can count them literally on one hand. Right. I mean, and I mean that by actually I'm not using the, the figurative term. Poorly. You didn't
1: say figuratively. That's that right.
0: We're talking, you can say Jamie Moyer. And then after that, you start running out of guys very quickly. Like Barry Zito, Barry Zito,
1: and Barry Zito is a guy who had to improve his velocity right. by two miles an hour by but, returning to his long toss program the, to get back to 86 key, miles an hour.
0: And the key thing about that, though, is, is even when you talk about those guys – those guys made it to the majors with an average fastball.
1: Correct. That's a great. Sometimes
0: Jamie Moyer, when he came up, which is many, many years ago,
1: yeah,
0: had an average fastball. None when of us worked at
1: Baseball America in 1986 when he came up in the major leagues with the Orioles. I had a, I had the Orioles or teams. Rangers. I
0: thought it was Cubs. Well, oh, no, you're I, right. I, it was
1: Cubs. It was Cubs. It was I've Cubs. got
0: have got a lot of Jamie Moyer it cards from back that year. You know, back then I was in high school. Smart so.
1: man, you saved him.
0: But. Uh, uh, well, so they're somewhere at the parents' house, I think, but uh, probably worth about a, you know a quarter because everyone like me was collecting cards at the time. That's Sorry right. That's right. But but it was it's something where those guys came up as average fastballs and then lost it, you know, LaVon Hernandez is another guy. But yeah. LaVon Hernandez, when he came up, had a plus fastball. Absolutely. Greg Maddox, everyone throws out Greg Maddox's example. He had at least an average fastball. He was a second-round pick
1: at a high school. No 90 way. to 93. Exactly. He wasn't getting drafted because of his thumb So there.
0: the the point that this kind of, you know, that kind of does kind of come up is, is, that, is that if you look at the data, if you look at, you know, average velocity, fastball velocity for major league pitchers, and you say, look at the bottom ten guys in that list. By the time you're at, in, an, in the NL or AL, by the time you're at number ten, you're at an average Major League fastball.
1: Right, right.
0: And so what that's saying is is that, you know, you'll hear a lot, oh, velocity's overrated, you can't scout by the radar gun, all these things. At the same, that, there are points of truth to that. But at the same time, look, if you're 86, if you are in A ball or AA at 86 miles an hour and it's like and, you, and and you are a master of pitching. Right. The chances are you probably aren't a major league pitcher. If
1: you make the major leagues, you're the exception rather than the rule and you're you almost have to be exceptional at basically everything else. And even
0: if you are because the reality is, is most of those guys, when I say you know and you have success in double-a, most of those guys have success in A ball. Right. And then they hit double-a and especially they hit triple-a and they stop having as much success. I mean, you, you have to – there always are there are some exceptions, especially from the left side.
1: Right, but, but from a the right hander. side, yeah. A right-hander with a below-average fastball. And that's, you know, we run across that. I'm doing a lot of draft calls right now. And I'll just throw out a specific example. Um, in the, I'm doing a lot of Southern Conference calls right now. And uh, the Southern Conference has a potential first-rounder in Asher Wojciechowski at Citadel. What makes Asher Wojciechowski a potential first rounder? Well, he's got a big body and a big fastball. He's 93 to 96 at his best. JJ and I've had a couple of coaches tell me he was sitting 95, not sitting, but still hitting 95 and 96 in the eighth and ninth innings yeah. of games against. You know, so I've got uh, three reports of that basically. So Asher Wojcikowski is going to go off the board pretty good, and that's awesome. You know, great for Asher Wojciechowski. There's another guy in the league at Furman named Ian Perry, who's a senior. And he's a classic command and control college right-hander. He's a senior. He's got three arm angles. He'll side, go sidearm, low three quarters, and he'll go straight over the top. He's 86 to 88 with his fastball. He has a plethora of other pitches. He has like a 6 to 1 strikeout-the-walk ratio. He's got great numbers. The one loss isn't great, but the secondary numbers are all phenomenal, except for one, home runs allowed. And that's what happens. If he misses his spot with that 86 to 88-mile-an-hour fastball, even in the Southern Conference, he's getting pounded. Just pounded with home runs. Otherwise, he's an artist. But that guy, like every coach I've talked to and the one scout I've talked to who saw him are all like, I'd love to have this guy have some kind of career in big in the big leagues or in, in pro ball. But they all say, like, his only hope is as an extra guy in the bullpen and only if, as a reliever, he goes from 86 to 88 to being, like, an 88 to 92 guy. Right. And, and that's, the likelihood of that is pretty low. And yeah. that's a guy who's a good, pretty good college pitcher, but he's really just not a prospect at that and, and that's the thing, I mean, we deal with people who get, you know, who
0: understandably, like when, you, when you're you talking to people and they almost get frustrated by that because it's like, but this guy knows how to pitch. Right. And it's like, the unfortunate thing is, is knowing how to pitch, while it's a very vital tool, but, that, you know, as our story, we, you know, this fastball story, we, you know, we have explains, you can't teach velocity, you can teach everything else. It it doesn't always click in, but if you have a guy who doesn't have a breaking ball, you can try to teach him a breaking ball. Now, not everyone spins it right, Right. spins it well or not, but you can can keep trying to teach him a breaking ball.
1: I definitely think the the fastball and the ability to spin a breaking ball, to me, those two things are uh, just raw physical tools. I think you can coach up a breaking ball, but only to a certain point. Right. Like up to maybe average or fringe but average. The thing about is but if you have hand speed, then you will be able to have a breaking ball down And the, the thing
0: line. about it is is usually those two actually go absolutely, together.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, that hand speed goes with a quick arm and having that ability to throw hard uh, and to maintain the ability to throw hard. Uh, it's a Baseball America podcast. I'm John, and, and he's JJ. And uh, one of the other things, that I guess, that, that, then that kind of leads me to the other stuff, the secondary stuff. That really separates you because most guys, J.J., aren't good enough with just fastball and breaking ball. As good as their fastball and breaking ball could be, we just don't see too many two-pitch pitchers in the big leagues who are starters anyway. Right. So developing that third pitch really, for some people, comes down to basically throwing a fastball with a different grip. Right. You know, whether Is that fastball with a different grip going to be a change-up? Is it going to be a split-finger fastball? Is it going to be a cut fastball? I think most pitching coaches and most of the guys you talked to for this story – Obviously they would rather you throw a change up. But it seems like the the cut fastball gets introduced to some to a lot of pitchers because they have an inability to locate their fastball is it glove side or glove side. The, or
0: glove side? Glove side. you 'cause, cause we're so basically for a
1: right handed pitcher to the in inside to a left handed hitter.
0: Right. Really what the cut fastball is at its best is a pitch if you are if you struggle against when you don't have the platoon advantage.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: What it does is it's another weapon that you have against a guy. So if you're a righty and you're facing a lefty, or especially if you're a lefty facing a righty.
1: Which, if you think about it, again, makes it similar to a change-up with a split, because those pitches are also weapons against platoon split guys. Right,
0: they're weapons against it. But now you'll have a guy like uh, – the guy I wrote about a little bit in, this, you know, in the fastball story, Travis Wood. Yeah. Travis Wood is a fastball change-up guy. Right. But – Okay, so his fastball changeup, his breaking ball's never really been that that much of a weapon. Right. The problem he had was he's got a great changeup. But if you think about it, his fastball was not a fastball that really, at least, or that he was comfortable. Like, it was never something that he could really own the inside corner of the plate against right-handers with his fastball. Right. Well, he's got this changeup, but what are you going to do with a changeup? You're not busting a guy inside of a changeup because you do that. that's for sure. Yeah, it's...
1: A lot of times you're just speeding up a guy's bat. You're
0: speeding up a guy's bat if you do that, you're, or you're, and you're running the severe risk of him destroying it.
1: Or if you miss and you're trying to come inside, you're going to yeah. miss over the plate and you're going to get pounded. Right.
0: So change up is generally in a way, you know, it's something that you work away. Well, so what the cut fastball gave him was an ability to kind of reclaim that inside of the plate and give them, you know, hit or something where they could no longer sit over, you know, sit and basically.
1: Look, look, outside, look outside, look
0: outside, look outside. Well, you know, and there's a lot of guys like that. Well, so the cut fastball, I mean, even if you have a change up, the cut fastball, it, at its best, I mean, if you want to say who's doing it at its best right now, Roy Halliday probably take Mariano Rivera out of it, because Mario Rivera, a lot of what he does is his natural.
1: Yeah, something he he's never even really taught a cutter so much as right. he it's, just throws a cutter. Because
0: at its best, the cut fastball is a it's a grip, wrist position, finger pressure pitch. You off you sometimes not often, but you occasionally have a guy who that's his natural delivery gives him that cutting action. More often you have you have other guys who their natural delivery, their grip, their hand, all that gives them that sinking action. You'll see you know hear about guys. Well, who Kyle a Gibson's a guy like right. that. No doubt. Especially if you're a three quarters guy, right? You know, I mean, you you don't really see very rarely, a you know over the top. If a guy isn't a true over the top guy, he's a, he's generally a four seamer guy, right? Because it's just so hard to generate good sink from an over the top. You, you know. can have
1: downhill plane, right. but You are it's gonna be harder to generate that natural downhill downward life.
0: Right. But but Halliday, what it gives him, and this is what Maddox did at his best too, for these the truly top of the line pitchers. What how it is is he can, he can do whatever he he's learned how to as pitching coaches like to put it manipulate the baseball right so he can by because of that he knows how with different grips different little finger pressure and all he can make a ball ride he can make a ball cut and he can do it to both sides of the plate is the
1: ultimate example of feel for pitching
0: right and so what that allows you to do is. You essentially you can really say that you have four or six fastballs because, okay, say you're throwing to the outside. Well, I've got a pitch that I can throw to the outside, and then just at the last minute, it leaves the strike zone, you know, or I can throw one that is just out of the strike zone, and at the last minute, basically cuts back, you know, that rides back in over the strike zone. Well, if you can That's do not that, Greg
1: Maddux pitch right for twenty years it seems right.
0: Like. And so, as a hitter, there is no good response to that that's where you sometimes do have to just shake your head because you can either swing at the pitches that look like they're strike that end up not being strikes right. or you can let them go and then sit there and take called strike 3 well you know and not many guys could do that if they did we'd all have you know we'd all be seeing eras of you know of 1
1: yeah it'd be 1968 you know. all over again
0: but but that's the thing that that's why like you know talk to some pitching coaches who because there is some debate like some people think that cut fastball Hurts arms, decreases velocity, right. and especially if you throw it incorrectly. And that seems
1: to be the big, the big key that kind of started for us is why the the, the reason the cut fastball isn't universally taught. Everyone teaches the changeup,
0: right? No one ever says, "Ooh, that changeup, you don't want to throw that."
1: Exactly, but you know, but the, the oh, actually the the cutter and the two seamer. There's some people who are against both those pitches. Basically, the cutter being that if you throw it improperly, you over. If you're, if there's too much emphasis on your wrist action. A and B, the finish out front. You're cutting off your extension right. out front. Your delivery,
0: and that's where the the proponents say, well, you're know, talking about an improper cut fastball. But but it is true that if you are conscious of cutting the fast, cut it throwing a cutter, a lot of times what will happen is, is a guy will not like in his fastball, he gets a full finish. Like if you think about it, as we described this on the podcast, he releases the ball and then his arm keeps going. And essentially has a natural deceleration to you know to, to essentially finish the pitch when we talk about finish. Well, if a cut fastball, guys will instead of doing that, as they throw it, they'll essentially slam their arms. They'll, they'll stop their arm to try to get that little
1: cut to or help you get that recoil. Right, I or that recoil. Pitches.
0: That's bad for arms. That's like and everyone kind of agrees. Yep, yeah, that's not something that you want to do. Well. That's the thing, you get the the disagreement because some people say, Well, it's so much I see so much of that that that's why I don't want to see the cutter thrown.
1: And that, that's where you get the stories about whether it's big leaguers or prospects, JJ, who throw who get cutter happy and we've had that uh we had rumors about that maybe happening with Chris Tillman this year, then of course Chris Tillman goes out and does a no hitter. We have the talk about that with Chad Billings, who's a big leaguer, who uh you know, if you look at the fan information, you look at the pitch effects data. He's thrown more and more cutters, cutters and fewer and fewer fastballs over the years. Andy Pettit was a guy who's come out and said, "Yeah, I got cutter happy for years." And he dropped it. his velocity, dipped, and uh, you know. You, so it sounds like there is a theory out there that people can get cutter happy, not just throwing it wrong, but they can't throw too many, or is it just really that you're throwing it wrong? Well, it
0: depends on who you talk to. Some people say yes because the way that you—I mean, this really kind of leads into the two-seam, four-seam. I would say I haven't, in talking to people about the two-seamer versus four-seamer. I didn't find anyone who I talked to for this who said no two seamer is bad. Right. But what I did four, hear four seamer better. But <laughs> what I did hear was a lot of people who said two seamer later. Hmm. Like, okay, we're going to teach you a four seamer. You're going to throw a four seamer, and then later on, Once you we'll t- let you throw a two seamer. And the reason for that is is that the four seamer is believed to be the pitch that gives you velocity. Right. It builds arm it builds strength.
1: arm strength. And if you command the four-seam fastball, if you don't, if you don't really, it's a building block uh, for any kind of pitching. Is commanding the fastball, well, and if you don't command the four-seam, or you really, it's hard to move on to anything else. You're probably it's almost a non-starter. And you've actually gotten to see that in person this year with the Royals as an organization, not the only one, but it's one that you do their top 30. They definitely like their younger guys to focus on the four-seam fastball, and having a guy like Tim Melville who has had a sinker in the past, has worked a lot with a two-seam fastball, and having to really, for him, it's been concentrating on the four-seamer, although you saw him pitching well.
0: Right. Well, well one of the things is, but he's the kind of guy that this is what pitching coaches are talking about, right. is that he is a guy who does not command his his stuff yet. You know, a lot of times out, you know, he has trouble. It's a with, live arm, certainly. Right, with There's trouble repeating the delivery. There's a lot of, you know, that's the kind of guys that where they're talking about it's like, okay, let's see, let's see you command The forcing refers first, because for one thing, you know, if you get your delivery down, then command for everything becomes a whole lot easier. Sure. When we talk about command, pitching coaches almost universally say, I mean, really what we're talking about, if you don't repeat your delivery. Right. Then it's going to be really hard. You know, if you, and what we mean by repeat the delivery, if you don't basically, okay, let's take what you threw, pitch one pitch two and pitch three, and now if we could superimpose them on each other, do they look the same?
1: Right. And that's how you get – I mean, to me, the the secret to repeating your delivery is athletic ability, and that's not really a secret. But that's how you can get a guy like Gubaldo Jimenez, who might have the best stuff of any big league starter right now, and he has that ridiculous stab in the back of his arm swing, and his arm action in the back is, Which is something that's completely, atypical, no. No. Yeah. completely atypical, completely atypical, uh, completely not recommended uh, arm action – And yet, he's so athletic, and I think his arm is so quick, that he's able to do that and repeat it and generate premium stuff. Now, command is still an issue for him because of that arm stab. Even in his no-hitter, he walked six, right? Right. But but he's not A.J. Burnett. I mean, he's not that kind of bad. mechanic. He repeats that better than I think he has any business doing, I think is because of his outrageous athletic ability.
0: And this is one of the things that pitching coaches – and scouts and player development people I was talking to for these stories were, we're talking about one of the things they said is, is that they see a lot of guys now, you can see them in high school, and it's like, well you know, I throw my four seam, or I throw my two seam, or I cut the ball, I got a change up right. on curve ball, and I got a slider and again, there aren't a whole lot of agreement in, in baseball, on in much of anything, when one thing there's agreement generally on is, is or there's a lot of people who say, hey, don't say a blanket statement on anything but that's right. 99.9% of the time on that, they're like, you know what? No, Okay, let's take let's take the cutter away. Let's yeah. take the two-seamer away. Let's take the slider away, or let's take the curveball away. And now you're a fastball, curveball, or slider, change-up pitcher, and let's get those three down. Down the road, right. that's where like double-A, if you really think about it, when you talk about the jump to double-A and all, one of the things it is, is it seems like AA is a lot of times, it's almost like you get your college, you know, you get your high school or college diploma, whichever way you want to say right. in A-ball. Yeah. Well, let's say you're high school. You're a high school, you know, diploma, gets you get that for getting out of A-ball. And then you get to AA, and it's like, okay, now we're going to give you the more advanced courses. That's it. That and is it's how it like, okay, looked at. now, to get to AA, generally what you're saying is, is, okay, now we've hopefully gotten you to where you're commanding your fastball, or at least controlling it, and you're showing some ability to command it, right. not every time out. Because if you could command your fastball every time out, generally you're pitching in the big leagues. That's so just about. You plus stuff, and you command your fastball every time See,
1: league, comma, Mike. Yeah. That's how you jump over those levels.
0: Right. You know, and that's what essentially, I mean, hey, I'll, I'll, the Reds are looking smart right now for sending them straight to the big leagues. I mean, he, he pitched great right in his second first start. And, you
1: know, third, third, third fourth four start.
0: Fourth start. I mean, but he's been their most consistent starter. And so – you know so really with that what you're looking at is that okay so we're gonna you know you get to that level you can command your fastball some you can throw your breaking ball generally for some form of you know you can you, you don't it's not just a uh a waste pitch but so yeah, you do that and then now we'll add in the cutter now we'll add in you know the other things so and that's, you can, you
1: and that's the problem we have draft-wise, J.J., a lot of times and when we're talking to scouts or college coaches, and they're, and like you said, there are a lot of pitchers in college or in the high, in high school where scouts will talk about, you know, yeah, that guy's kind of got a trick pitch. Chris Tillman was a guy who was like that. He had a split finger in, in high school. He doesn't have a split finger anymore. You run into that with a lot more high school pitchers, it seems like, than you used to. I mean, I, I've been doing draft coverage off and on for six years, like, like bearing down on a region, and maybe seven years, I guess it is now, and uh, it's remarkable to hear about, like you said, well, college pitchers especially who throw too many pitches. And um, the funny thing is the scouts, and they play. don't command the fastball.
0: But and the funny thing about that is, is kids are doing that obviously partly because they think it'll show that they're a better pitcher, you know, and it may give them even some more results. But the reality of it is, is that if you talk to scouts, one of the things that they think they say a lot of is, is you know. No, I don't want to see you throwing a cutter right. in college unless you are. Like, Mike Leak, those guys like that are exceptions. Like, right, right. Okay, this guy is an advanced pitcher, but especially a high school kid. Mike
1: Miner is a guy right. who, like, they, they like to see. But even Mike Miner threw one too many pitches in his junior year. That's why his stock went down. Generally, I mean, the Braves drafted him in seventh overall. And they still liked him. But he generally, more pitches was worse for Mike Miner than better.
0: Right. And the the, the thing about it is, is, like, no, if you ask a scout, what do you want to see? Well, I want to see that you can command the fastball, and you've got. I mean, the reality is that you've got some velocity. It's right. got some life on it. They're ideally. looking
1: for arm strength, and mechanics that won't blow up. And
0: ideally, can you spin it?
1: I, I think that I, no, that's it. That's what, that is what they're looking for. If you can do and, those three things. And one of the worst profiles is the right hand pitcher who's a fastball change up right hander. It's very hard. To, if you don't have that innate ability to spin a breaking ball, uh, that, that might be a whole other podcast or a whole other story, but can you. Teach someone to throw a breaking ball, and I've had a lot of pitching coaches who say no. But you definitely have, uh, but you can teach these secondary pitches. These, you can teach a change. These, the change
0: up is one that's like,
1: oh, that's yeah, you that has find to be
0: taught. You know, and the thing about it is, is, most, you're not expected to even really, like, if you've got a high school kid who goes to pro ball, they're not expected to throw a change up. They're, not you're not expected them, to have any, like, you talk to pitching coaches and, like, no, I understand that, when you're in high school. You shouldn't be throwing a whole lot of change-ups. The reason you got drafted in the top five rounds is because you have arm speed.
1: Yeah, but you know, but if you have a feel, they're not—they're not, they're not, they're they're, not going to knock you, s-
0: you for it. I think
1: they—I think they actually prefer to see the guys who already do have some idea of how to throw a changeup. They want to see feel. If you're talking about guys who are going to get six-figure bonuses, you want to just see someone who's not just an arm strength guy, right. And knows how to pitch. Knows how the the pitching right. aspect there is. I already understand at this early age, I can blow guys by blow, 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 guys. They don't, want you to, they don't want you to throw a changeup at a 7, 8, 9 hole hitter in high school. Well, but they do want to see that you can upset a hitter's timing when you're facing other, let, other let good explain. hitters. I'm
0: talking about this more from the player development side.
1: I think, no, let's, I think get, they want only, to see, but, no, I think that they I do I want to see to a changeup. I've talked to multiple
0: people on this the player development side said, look, I, if, if I have a, a rookie ball guy who doesn't know, have any clue how to throw a changeup, doesn't bother me because sure. we can teach that.
1: sure. But they don't – But they don't. I don't think they're going to look askance as somebody no, no. does come in with a changeup. I'm not thinking they're going to dock
0: you for it or anything, right. but I'm saying – but that doesn't concern them. I like dock.
1: like a good use of dock as I'm a not, verb.
0: They're not concerned about that the same way that if you if you don't show any ability to spin a breaking ball, that's kind of a little red flag goes up because – No doubt.
1: Because that's much it's worse. it's like,
0: you know what? Coming, coming out of high school, you should be throwing – Everyone they expect that you're, you you should show some ability to spin it.
1: Well, especially the, with the kids facing nothing but metal bats, uh, that sort of thing. You, that's I think the reason that you have more high school pitchers, more amateurs, who have maybe more pitches in their repertoire than you used to. A, there's an explosion of private lessons,
0: but B, and summer showcases.
1: Right, which, you, you got to miss that's... bats. I mean, the, and the showcase thing almost is better for you to have fewer pitches because you can miss wood bats at that level more. Uh, you're gonna miss metal bats, um, but because uh, you, or you're gonna, you, you don't you don't have to miss bats as much. Right, you you're looking. You're gonna you get. Can... But I, the other the other aspect that never gets thought of. And this is a whole other show. At the college level, people criticize college coaches and college pitching coaches and college pitchers for throwing too many breaking balls. Is defense at the college level is terrible. You know, there's no need to have advanced metrics to uh, study college defense. When you see Aaron Fit write that East Carolina has a 950 fielding percentage, you know they suck at defense. You don't need to know what their user rating is. You know they suck defensively by that 950. So it's a very simple defensive efficiency well, and the there. Reality, and the so you the need to miss or, bats when you're pitching at uh, East Carolina.
0: And the reality of it is, is that look, I mean when it comes to shortstops, the number of college yeah. shortstops who are major league, you know, future major league shortstops is a very small number because Again, those are the guys who don't get to college a lot of the time.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, we could go on. We need to not go on. We still have draft and other things, uh, other calls to make. But uh, I do think we'll talk more pitching. If you want to talk more pitching, send us those questions. You can, uh, or you can also, of course, hit up JJ on Twitter, twittercom jjcoop 36 I'm uh, at, at John Manuel BA, or at Baseball America for our Twitter feeds or you can send this into a podcast at BaseballAmerica.com. So for J.J. Cooper, I'm John Manuel, reminding you that when it comes to buying a baseball bat, DeMarini just changed the game, introducing Demo House, where you can step into the cage and hit the latest from DeMarini before you buy, because there's no substitute for hitting a real baseball or talking to people who know both bats and batting. Your demo time in the cage is free, so get the season started right, and visit your nearest Demo House today. Locations and full details can be found at DeMarini.com backslash Demo House. We'll see you next time on the Baseball America podcast. So long, everybody.